Welcome in to the At The Yard podcast. On today's episode, Cal Berkeley recruiting coordinator Noah Jackson joins me to talk about the state of recruiting, his career path, and what it's like to play in the Pac-12. All that and much more on episode 46 of the At The Yard podcast. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. Pumped about today's guest. Joining me is Cal Recruiting Coordinator Noah Jackson. Noah, thanks for being on the show, man. Les, thanks for having me. I could not be more excited. Always happy to talk baseball and kind of talk about, you know, Cal Berkeley as a program and just happy to talk, you know, in general to somebody else. It's 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 going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, uh, speaking of that, I mean, obviously crazy times right now, right? I mean, what sort of things are you doing to keep yourself busy and, you know, how are you holding up? Yeah, it's tough. It, it really is. It's kind of, you know, hit everybody a little bit different for us when you're in the middle of this season and you've kind of worked all fall to get to this point. It's tough to have it being taken away. Um, for us right now, we're still talking as a staff, just a coaching staff daily. We're trying to stay in touch with our kids our kids right now are in reading week, and then they have finals next week. And then I think once finals are over, it's really going to hit them. It's because everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to do next for summer baseball and what exactly that's going to look like. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a, a huge topic that we'll dive into here in a little bit. But, yeah, the summer baseball season is something you and I have talked about recently, and it's just going to be it's going to be a, a zoo, right? I mean, trying to figure out where, where to play. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And just – whether it's state by state, county by county, it just when it's all said and done, I miss baseball. And you just you miss baseball. It's just kind of the fabric of your life and just the you know the part of society that's always there. And now that it's gone, it's uh, it's a little lonely to say the least. Yeah. Well, well, Noah, let's talk a little bit about your your career path here first, and then we'll jump into some other topics. But I mean, you prepped at Marin Catholic, and and then from there you you headed off to University of Arkansas to play baseball and. What led you to Arkansas? I mean, I gotta, I gotta assume it's you know, hey, it's the SEC, the opportunity to play uh, in that at that in that environment. But you know, what ultimately put Arkansas over the top for you and, and made you choose you know to be a hog? Yeah, for me, it was an interesting uh, recruiting time. Just how high school baseball worked back then. So in the late nineties, uh, one of the ways that I was just seen is in ninety eight, and I'm a ninety nine grad. We had a a player by the name of Johnny Jacobs, and he was committed to University of Miami. And that kind of brought out more and more recruiters to Marine Catholic to see us play. And we had a pitcher, Mike Takina, who ended up going to Mississippi State. So I just was in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, Arkansas kind of popped up, and I didn't know anything about it. I really honestly didn't know anything about it. I was prepared to, to stay local, stay on the West Coast. And I went out to Arkansas on a recruiting trip there. And, you know, it was something like, that you had never seen before. So growing up, going to Cal games, Stanford games, you know, just baseball games in general on the West Coast, there's just a different feel in the SEC. And it was kind of an unknown. And, um, you know, I took that opportunity. Coach Norm DeBryan and Tim Montez were out there, and they made a concentrated effort to get more West Coast kids out there. And, hey, it was interesting. You know, I was there for a year. It was a completely different experience. I played with some great teammates. You know, I tell our guys that, you know, I was able to play with Cliff Lee out there, who, you know, I'm still in touch with and just kind of, I'll learn from him and how he goes about it. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, transferring back to Cal after that one year, it's home. California's home. Uh, it's a place where, obviously, I still live and I still coach. And when it's all said and done, I think that's a big part of just kind of making those decisions. It's like, where do you want to be? 
when you're a grown up like myself now. And so for me, it was like my heart was always in California and I was happy that uh, Coach Dave Esker gave me a chance to come back to Cal and, and finish off my college career, you know, in my backyard, essentially. Yeah, you guys, you know, you had that one year where you had to get get back on a plane, go back down to SEC country, play in a regional at LSU. I mean, describe that for us. I mean, you know, we watch it on TV, right? And you see the, the box is packed and, you know, thousands upon thousands of people screaming. But what what's that environment like to play in? It's special. It really is. And it's, it's funny how my career has kind of gone just um, playing and coaching. So two years ago, we went back to LSU and saw the new Alex Box Stadium, which if you've ever been to the old Alex Box or the new Alex Box, it's almost unrecognizable. And that's not that much different than uh, last year when we were at a regional at Arkansas uh, when I was at Cal. And it had been literally uh, like 20 years almost that I had uh, been back there just to see how much those places change. Um, but then the funny part is also like I look around the Pac-12 and see how much that has changed as well. So the atmosphere in the SEC is a little bit different, but that's all they have. But I'm going to be honest with you, the Pac-12 atmospheres that they've started to have the last couple of years and the support that's risen around west coast baseball has honestly been really really impressive and uh you know i think we're really gaining traction on the west coast just on the college side of it oh no question and, and watching that do you think that has what do you what do you attribute it to like because i look at it and from an outsider's perspective and it's you know a lot of the talent is staying home uh there's a commitment to baseball from a facility standpoint and, and just the general influx of of coaching right and and the overall success of the west coast programs i mean is there anything outside of those kind of three things that you think have attributed to the the rise if you will of west coast baseball look it's always been really really good right i mean there's no question about that but from a collegiate standpoint i mean it seems as though west coast baseball is really on the rise yeah and i honestly think and attribute it to um, the access that you have to the coaches and the players. I mean, it's funny now watching uh, through this Jordan documentary how you had access to those guys. And baseball is the same way. You know, I grew up, uh, my dad worked for the A's, and you got to interact with, you know, Major League Baseball players because they were just part of the fabric of society. They weren't, you know, kind of away from it all. And you had that chance to interact with guys who, you know, were your heroes and you saw on TV. And I think what's happened on the West Coast is now all these high school kids and all these middle school kids, when you come to games, you have access to the college players and you can talk to them and you can hang out with them. And, and, and that type of intimacy that all of a sudden occurs now is different than what professional baseball looks like. I mean, you go to a professional baseball game and you're kept at an arm's length away from all those guys and you don't see them after the game and you don't see them out and about. So it's just changed so much. And Honestly, with a lot of the recruiting stuff, kids are now looking into colleges younger and younger and earlier and earlier, and they want to be part of it. So I think that has had a huge, huge deal for the rise of you know West Coast baseball. I mean, when I was in high school, I went to obviously major league games and college games, but the college recruiting part of it was never really even in your mind until you know your junior summer. Now there's kids who are you know crazy enough as young as eighth grade who are thinking about college recruiting. Yeah, but I think that's kind of what's changed it, and and kids just they want to be part of a part of something. And college baseball, like you said, it it does have some cachet to it, and you know more and more people want to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think 
what we're seeing too is just the growth of the game from you know the quality of the coaches the quality of the players and you know now it's more accessible like you said you know you can watch a college game on your phone you can watch it on your tv you know you have access to the game much more so uh now than than you did back uh you know certainly when you were going through the process and and when i was in high school uh but you know after you finished cal you you spent a couple years in the cubs organization walk us through that what was what was that experience for you like for you and and how did that at, at what point did you say, hey, man, I, I, I want to get into coaching? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, going from, you know, the Pac-10 at that time into professional baseball, you feel like you've kind of seen it all. Because as I tell people from 2000 to 2003, like, look up at the amount of big leaguers that came through the, the Pac-10. I mean, there is a, a huge amount of them. So you've kind of seen it all. Um, but then when you're in professional baseball, and I always tell our kids now, it's a business. And and that is the first time baseball is honestly ever a business in your life. You play Little League, you know, high school, college, just because you love it and you want to play and you want to be part of it. And, um, you know, some of the most, like, shocking moments for me was being in minor league baseball and all of a sudden, you know, I'm having, you know, a good week, you know, five, six, seven-game hitting streak, and then and I'm not in the lineup for a week. And I go to the manager and I said, you know, did I do something wrong? He's like, I don't know. The front office sends the lineups. Like, I, you know, that's oh. just how it goes. Like, these guys have to play. So, you know, I – tell our guys in college to cherish their time there because once you get to professional baseball it is a business it is a bottom line business and that is the most difficult thing about it because you know if they're invested in you they're going to invest in playing time and making sure you succeed you know now I'm not saying that if, if they're not invested in you you can't make it but your your chances and opportunities become smaller and smaller so i think that was the most eye-opening thing about professional baseball is people forget that it's a business when it's all said and done so how, take us through that scenario right i mean you have that hitting streak you're you know front office sends the lineups what was your response and, and how how did you respond to that you know both you know obviously verbally maybe not verbally but uh, you know how, do, how did you respond to that i mean do you, is it one of those things where you just kind of man you, you just wear it and you just kind of keep grinding or, or you know what is it you do and, and how do you avoid not going into a shell at that point yeah, no, it's tough. It really is. And my manager at the time was uh, Carmelo Martinez, who was a 10-plus big league vet, and he was honest with me, and he just said, hey, this is just how it is, and you got to be ready. You know, so you have to take advantages of your opportunities when they happen. But when all these drafts come, guess what? If, you know, if you're drafting guys who are in your position in the top 10 rounds, they're going to play right away. You know, but you have to be ready for that pinch hit opportunity or playing every fourth day, and it, it is hard, and it is difficult. Um, and then from there, it's just like when you get into your first spring training and you see the 140 guys that are there and you see 10 guys who stand out and you're like, oh, my God, like these are the 10 best players I've ever seen. And then the enormity of it kind of hits you and you're like, OK, so I'm here. So these guys have teams to play on and games to play and people to play with, you know, and obviously if you have a shot, you always have a shot. But you also realize um, the talent discrepancy that it exists within some of these organizations and you're going to play with some of the most talented guys that you've ever seen in your life before um and that's why you know even for some of these kids i always say that college degree and that college education is irreplaceable because no matter what at every point in time you're going to get called in the office or you know your time's going to come in baseball where it's all over and yeah. it happens to everybody it doesn't matter who you are 
Yeah, yeah. The game, the game has a way of letting you know when they're done, when it's done with you, right? And you know, like you said, for some guys, it's at the end of high school. For some guys, it's at the end of a twenty-year big league career. But everyone can't play the game forever. But I want to, I want to touch on something really neat. And you walked me through this, but I'd love our audience to hear about it. And while you were in pro ball, you co-founded the First Base Foundation, a nonprofit. Uh, tell us about that foundation. You know what what the mission is of it, and and what was your reasoning behind uh being a co-founder of that yeah i mean the reason why i originally started is because i wanted kids who didn't have the financial means to have access to baseball and at that point in time you kind of saw the change of it and you know i hate to use the term travel ball but in my mind it kind of turned into more of like how basketball has the aau circuit and i just wanted kids who wanted the opportunity to play baseball to have that opportunity so for me it's just important to you know baseball has meant so much to me that I continue to give kids that opportunity just to play and not have to worry about the the costs that are skyrocketing through, you know, tournaments, showcases, equipment, and all that. So um, for me, the, the most important thing that we can do is give back and give back to our community. So if there's kids out there who want to play baseball and want to learn about baseball and want to have that opportunity, I just felt, you know, for me, baseball had given me so much. It had given me the opportunity to play professionally. It had given me the opportunity to get a college degree that I just honestly wanted to be able to give back to my community and kids who wanted to experience that same thing. So it's, it's one of those things where I just, you know, baseball has taught me so much. And, and what I mean by that is it, it teaches you how to get along um, with teammates who are then going to become coworkers and it teaches you how to be responsible and it teaches you how to get along with other, everybody. So I just wanted to give that opportunity back to, you know, kids that need in my, in my community. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and you finished playing pro ball and, you know, most guys go right into coaching or they, you know, maybe take a year off and then they get into coaching, go back to either the college route or the pro route or, or even the high school route. You, you took an interesting twist, though. You went into the, quote, real world, end quote, right, and, and took a job with FedEx and, and spent a, a several years there thriving in that company. What was the reasoning behind that? Were you what were you looking to kind of get out of that? Um, For me, the reason why I did it is because I think sometimes you just need to take a deep breath away from baseball when it is everything that you do. And for me, it was great for everything that I learned in that company. So when you work for a Fortune 500 company, just honestly, a lot of the skills that I have now, which comes down to, you know, making sure that you manage the budget, booking travel, doing expense reports, doing all that. And that respite, just kind of getting away from baseball, honestly, at the end of the day for me, made me understand how much I love it and how important it is to me and how lucky I am every day to still be in baseball. And, you know, at that point in time, I I honestly, Les, never, ever thought I was going to be a coach. Um, When I was done with FedEx, I scouted with the Padres for a little bit more than five years. And that was an amazing experience. It really, really was. And I never thought um, I would come back to the college side of it because I didn't really understand what the college coaching aspect of it was. I was going to try to stay in the professional ranks for as long as possible, whether it was scouting or coaching on that side, um, until, you know, my college coach, David Esker, gave me another chance to come back and, uh, you know, work at Cal and be a volunteer assistant there and assisted in, in uh, operations first. So that was uh, an amazing experience, and that's how I got back into coaching. So you get back into coaching, you, you're a volunteer there at Cal, and then you head over to Pacific where you're an assistant coach there for – 
for three years um, with, with Mike New and and then ultimately you follow him back to Cal, you know, you, so it's like you've, you've, you came home, you left home, you, you came back home, right? I mean, you've been home three times now uh, at Cal. And so what was, what was it that, that drew you to Pacific initially uh, and then the thought process to, to go back to Cal in, in uh, 2017? Yeah, for me, going to Pacific was honestly a great learning experience and really awesome for my career because it was more responsibility being the recruiting coordinator over there, but you also learn how to run a program from the inside out. I always tell young guys and coaches out there who just want to coach, I'm like, hey, if we just have to hit fungos and throw BP – and do practice, that's the easy part of it. The rest of it on how you have to build the internals of the program, whether it's from fundraising, ordering, you know, the supplies, equipment, recruiting, figuring out all your budget. I go, that's the nitty-gritty work of it. You know, connecting with alumni, that's that's how you really, really build a program. So getting to be able to kind of look under the hood and manage a lot of that um, and letting my kind of give me a lot of those responsibilities at Pacific was huge for me as my maturation of a coach because I really had to take on a lot of aspects that I had never done before. I mean, even even whether it was just taking care of the field and learning how to, you know, make sure that we had the right infield mix and then we had the right screens ordered. So you kind of see a little bit of everything. And it, it really made me appreciate just kind of what we get to do every day because, like I said, it's more than just hitting fungos, throwing BP and, and doing all that part of it. You get to see, you know, what the day-to-day looks like. Yeah, um, so and then with that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and so then with that, when the opportunity came back, came back around when Mike came back to Cal, you know, it, it, like you said, it's a place that I've kind of come and gone. I know it's in my heart of hearts, and I know it's a place where I love to be, and it's it is home. So uh, whenever I had the chance to come back, and, and it's worked out well. To compete in the Pac-12 is like, I mean, there's not a lot of other places where you're going to get that level of competition, you know, and you have to be on the top of your game. And so if you can kind of compete in the Pac-12 and be successful in the Pac-12, you know, you're going to be able to kind of do that anywhere across the nation. So for me, it's like I'm, I'm always wanting to take the biggest challenge I can get because I think that's when people rise to the occasion. Yeah, and, and you know, you talked about your time at Pacific there and like really learning the nitty gritty of the of the job, right? The fundraising, the the ordering of stuff. How do you feel like your your time away from baseball in the corporate world prepared you for that? I think it was huge because I understand – just kind of how you have to build out some of the budgets, some of the spreadsheets, and just kind of do everything that's not baseball related. Um, you know, a lot of guys, like I was saying before, come in and don't realize that that's such a huge part of it. You have to be able to manage those expenses and then honestly just manage other people and understand the direction and guidance that you need to give them so, um, you know, they kind of fall in line with what the program's goals are. And, you know, a lot of goal setting kind of came from working outside of baseball because you have directives this is what you have to do there's no if ands or buts about it and you know i did sales so you have to hit your numbers and you have to be willing to go out there and do whatever it takes to hit those numbers and so in baseball it's the same thing like you have to be willing to go out and and get a lot of no's before you get a lot of yeses sometimes but um you know once you realize that and i think that's the hard part for some young coaches is when kids say no in the recruiting process or you can't get something done in somewhere else you have to be able to kind of push through that and move forward in, in what you want to do and accomplish those goals. Yeah, so let, let's jump into your, your time now at Cal. And, you know, in 2018, 2019, you guys, you know, post back-to-back 32-win seasons. And the 2019 season was pretty special from a, from a draft standpoint for you guys with a pair of first-rounders and Andrew Vaughn and Corey Lee, who I saw plenty of here in SoCal while in high school. But, you know, 
taking guys that weren't drafted out of high school, uh, you know, that were, were fairly, you know, fairly recruited uh, coming out of high school and, and, and seeing them develop into first round picks, what is, what is that like as a coach, right? I mean, obviously you're alongside those guys working with them, but, but seeing the work that they put in, I mean, it's got to be incredibly gratifying for you as a coach. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, that's kind of part of our program is like, you've got to be able to put in that work and that extra work and, and be willing to, you know, put the blood, sweat and tears in it. I think a lot of guys don't understand based on NCAA rules, we have our limits that, you know, we can only do so much with these guys. So they have to be self-motivated uh, to a point where they're going to go off and do some of that work on their own. And just the culture that kind of we've built at Cal, I mean, like you got to be blue collar. You have to be able to, to grind through it and, you know, learn from your failures and improve every day with your successes and, and embrace that success. So, I mean, Andrew Vaughn, just as a pure hitter, is one of the best pure hitters that I've ever seen. And so, you know, for my list on pure college hitters that I've seen, it's J.D. Drew back in the day. And then, I mean, it's Xavier Brady and then Andrew Vaughn. So he's in he's in rare company with that. Um, he can just flat out hit. His bat to ball skills are unparalleled from, you know, almost anybody I've seen. And, and you know, he had success right away. And he, and he built off of that. And the moment never got too big for him. And I couldn't be more proud of what he's accomplished. And now for Corey, he was a little bit on the other side of it where he came in and he, he didn't start right away but he was always somebody we knew had the talent and we're trying to get in the lineup and he just had to mature um as a baseball player and as a person and then once he was able to slow the game down and let the game come to him he took off i mean his 40 45 game run last year was you know i haven't seen a lot of guys go on that type of tear in college baseball and kind of went from a you know eight to tenth round pick to a first rounder and he always had the skills and tools to do that but he allowed the game to come to him and trusted what he had done and understood that he could kind of finally stay within himself and be confident with himself. And then his game really took off from there. So, I mean, naturally, I got to assume that those were, were two of the leaders on the team last year. So what sort of what sort of methods do you guys implement to cultivate leadership within your program? And and, and how are you guys, you know, doing those things? You know, we talked to a couple of other coaches where, you know, they do some Navy SEALs training. You know, other guys just kind of have a, a, a big meeting at the beginning of the season uh other guys you know kind of let it come naturally what sort of things do you guys do at cal to cultivate leadership within your program yeah no we talk about it all the time and we have pillars that we work off of that are important for our team to follow and and make sure everybody is on the same page and pulling the same rope um but we talk about this a lot as a coaching staff on just can you develop leaders are there natural born leaders how do you find leaders and a lot of it honestly starts with the re- process you know we really really do a, a lot of background work on these kids with their high school coaches and who they are as teammates and what they want to kind of get out of it and so then when these kids come in um, they already certainly have some underlying leadership qualities that we look for and that we target um, and that's in the recruiting process but for me it's like there, there has to be um, an expectation of what needs to be done every single day and you have to take pride in that and you have to be willing to sacrifice and maybe do things that aren't uh, for you comfortable and then be able to lead that way so i think everybody on the team honestly has to be a leader what i kind of look for with that is who's going to give that edge to your group and what i mean by that is like Corey lee the way that he played the game with unbridled joy and obviously 
had success gave us that edge. You know, we had Darren Baker as well, who kind of played the game that way, and he kind of gave us our, that edge and could kind of go out and be at the forefront, and everybody could kind of fall in behind him. Um, not all teams have it that way, and you kind of, like you said, you have to continue to cultivate it, but you have to empower the player. And sometimes, especially in today's day and age, it's difficult because you're running around and you're not really playing a team game all the time in the summer. But when we get to college, it's about winning. You know, and I try to tell all these kids this, like, hey, I, I can tell you whatever I want, but as a recruiting coordinator at Cal, at the end of the day, I don't have a job if we don't win and I don't bring in good players. So winning is the thing. Like, that is the bottom line of it. And so whatever we need to do to find a way to win and find a way to motivate you guys, like, we will go about it that way and do that. You, you, t- you touched on recruiting there and, and, you know, doing your background work. And how, how important is, you know, connecting with the, the player's high school coach, connecting with the player's club coach, and, and, and just to kind of piggyback on that, what do you do when you get conflicting messages from those two groups? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I think I, I like to talk to the high school coaches a lot just because they're with the kids every day and they might know, you know, different things that happen at school um, that their club coaches aren't privy to. You know, obviously, you definitely want to make sure you stay with the club coaches because they're going to have a different type of relationship with those kids and they've seen other kids. And at some point in time, depending where they're playing, I've seen them perform against, um, you know, higher level competition. But just I want to know what a kid is like day in and day out at practice and what it looks like for them. Um, so that that's where the high school coaches really, really kind of come into it. And, you know, we do a lot of background and research on that um, just to make sure that we're getting the right type of kid because you have to want to work and want to put in the hours that it takes to be good at baseball. As I tell all the guys, like, this is not an easy game. This isn't going to come to guys overnight. I mean, it does the sum, but, like, you have to be willing to put in that work to become the player that you want to play or want to be, excuse me. So if you're not willing to do that, you know, then we have an issue. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some guys who are naturally gifted in the game. Um, is easier for them than others but still you know nobody is perfect in this game and you'll have your successes and failures but if you're not able to kind of move past there and and, and uh, um, you know take it all with a grain of salt that's where you get in trouble you talk, you also mentioned there you know the blue collar type players is, is that is that you know at the top of the list for things that you're looking for in potential recruits and and what are some of the other things obviously academics at a place like cal are incredibly important but outside of those two elements, what are some of the other characteristics you're looking for in potential recruits? Yeah. As, as I tell everybody, I mean, I'm looking for the athletically and academically elite. You know, I want those guys who, first off, want to compete in the classroom, get good grades, and understand the value of going to the number one public school in the nation. And I get it. For a lot of times when you are, you know, 14 through 18, that doesn't resonate with you all the time. Um and so it's important just to kind of let them understand, like, that this degree is everlasting. You know, you'll have this degree till the day you die and how much that means and how important it is and the, the connections and the contacts you build with that. And then secondly, just, hey, you're going to have to compete. You know, in my mind, if it's not where the SEC is, it's right below the SEC and just a competition level with, with guys who get drafted and play professionally. It's like you're going to have to compete at the highest level in the nation. There's no days off. Like, you go through this Pac-12 – I mean, you're top to bottom, it's just fierce competition. So I, I want guys who are going to com- be able to compete and be able to handle that. Now, the scout side of me, I completely understand, like, tools play. Tools play. I love guys with tools, big, flashy tools, and, can, can, and the game kind of comes easy to them. Athleticism is huge for us, and we want to build on that. However, you still need pieces of that puzzle to make it a team. And kind of how I describe it is, you know, 
all your World Series winning teams, they all have their unsung heroes on those teams. So from top to bottom, you need a little bit of everybody who's going to slot in from there. And, you know, that's kind of what we go out and look for. It's like, what is this piece of the puzzle going to look like in our 35-man roster? How is he going to help us win a game? Is he going to help us win one game? Is he going to help us win, you know, 32 games? And how is he going to contribute to our program on and off the field? And when it's all said and done, when he graduates from Cal, is everybody happy that, you know, he was here and he's, he's a representation of our program and who we are? How, how do you feel scouting for as long as you did it helps you in recruiting? And do you see any downside to it? Because you, you just touched on, you know, the, the tools piece and some of the knowledge. But, you know, obviously you're looking for different things when you're scouting for pro ball versus, you know, potentially recruiting a sophomore in high school, right? So how do you think it's helped you uh, in, in your current role as recruiting coordinator at Cal? Yeah, I think it's great just because the relationships that I was able to cultivate with um, scouts and other people in pro ball. But it, it is also hard at times because, you know, I do like to shoot for the moon. But I also understand that those uber elite guys are going to get drafted and go. So I've kind of had to change my target a little bit. And um, I've kind of had to relearn some of the systems that I go off of. I mean, I don't I don't rank the guys as I would before, like in a prep list, like um, as, a, as an area scout as I would before. So as an area scout, you're going to rank all the guys in a prep list and what their tools are and grade out their tools and go from there. Um, at Cal, what I do is I look for, like I was saying before, pieces of that puzzle. Like what piece are you going to play for me? And then whether it's right or wrong, I have to kind of assign a value to that. And then what type of value are you going to have to our program? So, hey, are you going to be a weekend starter? Hey, are you going to be a middle-of-the-order bat? Are you going to be a backup infielder? You know, So it's a little bit different way to build it. However, the most satisfying thing for me right now is, as I always tell these guys, I get to recruit them, I get to win with them, and then I get to watch them be professionals. And the hard part about scouting is you have this almost like torrid one-year love affair, then they're signed, gone, and you're back at it again. You know, For the guys who come into the program, who've been in our program i always say it's funny because once they come here they never leave you alone which is a good thing there are guys are always back they're always hanging around they're always talking to you during their uh, you know professional baseball and i want them to come back around and be around our guys because those are the greatest teachers that we have so you know the pro guys that we have come back interact with our players i mean that is invaluable so just so they can kind of talk about what their experiences are and what they're learning and everything so you know that's really really the fun part about it for me being a college side of it is you get to see these kids grow up and get to see them have success like how you know andrew vaughn and Corey lead in and how we'll have guys drafted this year and then in years past and then watch them kind of come back and and talk to your current players and tell them like hey i get it like i did the same thing when i was a freshman or sophomore but this is what really helped me and this is what clicked and how i got over this hurdle yeah, and hearing it from a from a, somebody other than your your coach, right? I mean, it, it probably registers a little bit better, or 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 you take it to heart a little bit more closely, other than it being the forty fifth time Noah Jackson's telling him that, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't consider myself that old, but I'm an old guy to these kids now. So, you know, <laughs> when they're hearing it from a Marcus Simeon or a Tyson Ross or a Mark Canna, you know, who's coming back around, or an Andrew Knapp who's coming back around and telling our guys, like, hey, this is what professional baseball is like. This is how you need to simplify the game. This is in college what I learned when I simplified the game. This is how it became easier for me. I could tell that player the same thing 20 times, and then, you know, Marcus Simeon walks in and tells him at once, and he's like, coach, do you know what Marcus just told me? I'm like, yeah, that's great. 
Like, <laughs> hey, I appreciate that, you know, you <laughs> that you're listening to it and you're learning it from it there. Like at the end of the day, I don't care how it's done. You know, we just got to get it done. <laughs> That's awesome. You t- you touched on it a little bit earlier, Noah, with like the eighth graders committing and recruiting getting so much. It's sped up, right? It's it's just, it's almost, I mean, I hear it a lot from, from parents, right? Like, you know, what do I got to do to get recruited? Well, your son's a freshman. Like, maybe let's just kind of pump the brakes a little bit, a little bit. And, uh, you know, what what's your take on, on that, you know, that process as it stands today? And do you think it's something that's sustainable? I, I, I don't honestly like it. And the reason why I don't is, is kind of what we were talking about previously. Back when I was... Um, a scout for the Padres, you never even really wrote reports on freshmen, sophomores in high school. You might write a follow report on a junior who really kind of stood out. Um, but the maturation of these kids between the age of 14 to 15, 15 to 16, 17 to 18 is so much different. I don't know what we're going to get. Like, I can't predict the future. I can't at all. So for for us, we, we recruit a smaller number of kids, but we try to identify what we want. And what I mean by that is like, you have to have some type of desire to be, you know, have academics as a big part of the plate. If you're going to come to Cal, like you have to want to go to school. You have to want to go to class. That has to be part of it. You have to want to be a student athlete, you know? So, Hey, nothing against some other programs or wherever they're at. It's just, it's different for us. So there's great kind of, that you have to have there's certain things that you have to do so that kind of drives it and you know we have to find the academic fit first because if you can't get in here academically it doesn't really matter how much i want you as a player i just can't get you into school so that starts it and then it's just making sure that some of these kids you know understand exactly what they're going to get into and and i don't promise anything like i promise you an opportunity to compete for a spot best player is going to play and, and for me it just doesn't matter at the end of the day because like i tell them i go hey this is a job for me, you know, so I have to be successful at my job to keep having my job. So, you know, we're trying to win. We're trying to make sure that you guys are going to work hard and put in that type of work. So for me, it's tough to pin um, all my hopes and dreams on a kid who might be a freshman in high school at the time. And who knows what happens in five years down the road. Now, don't get me wrong. There's kids that are just elite talents who are in your backyard and, you know, who want to come to Cal and or dream to come to Cal. So you have to entertain that. Uh, we don't like to go heavy on that side of it and we'll always keep money open late even to right now we're still actively recruiting 20s right now just because you know that kid might be out there who you didn't get to see and you're just making calls to coaches and trying to see hey who made a jump from their junior to senior year that just nobody has seen and you know i continuously that's where you know knowing high school coaches and knowing club coaches continuously talking to those guys just to see who's made that jump late um, because at the end of the day, it's like, hey, you got to be good when you show up on our campus. And then when the bright lights turn on, you have to be able to compete. So that's that's the biggest thing for us. Yeah. And then it, the whole the recruiting environment, I'm glad I'm glad you talked about, you know, you guys are still actively recruiting 2020s. You know, that's given that it's so sped up. Right. And, and you know, players in that class right now obviously lost their season, as you guys did. You know, what sort of messaging do you have for that? And and how you, you talked about contacting coaches. How are you guys recruiting right now? Right. I mean, because generally you'd be out on the road right now recruiting, you know, with CIF playoffs going on down here, starting up in NorCal here, you know, the next week. Uh, you know, how are you guys recruiting right now? Yeah. And that's that's a really, really difficult part of it. So 
where I start is just that that coach's kind of tree that we have. So I email him, I call him, I get in touch with all those guys because they have a pretty good understanding of what their players are doing right now. I mean, I can try to reach out and talk to some 20s and 21s. Who knows what they're going to tell me, honestly, because it's just such a different situation for them. But I want to hear from their coaches who have had Zoom meetings with their kids or they saw them play the first seven, eight games of the year before we were able to cut out on March 1st. And they just have a better feel for what's going on with that kid and kind of what the environment is. So for me, that's where those those high school coaches are paramount because they've seen them. And then from there, it's like you go to the high school coaches down to uh, their summer coaches trying to figure out what the summer is going to look like for those guys, um, if they can kind of predict it a little bit. And then we're just really trying to dig as deep as we can on makeup um, for all these guys because I want to make sure that when they step foot in our clubhouse day one that it's going to be the right fit. And then, honestly, I ask a lot of our commits who the best players they've played against are, you know, who they like, who they don't like, just because they're going to know. They're going to know more than anything. Like, I mean, those kids know who is a good kid, who's a bad kid. They'll give you the information straight. And if they're already coming to Cal, if there's an issue with that and they give you kind of a red flag on the kid, that's that, that carries some weight for me. So I always try to talk to our recruits and just ask them, like, who are the guys you've played against that are good? Because the players will tell you. You know, I, I might be able to see a kid for one or two days and I kind of have to make a, a, a snap decision on it. But if you talk to kids who you already have coming to school who play in the same league, you know, they'll give you an honest opinion and they'll give you a better scouting report than even I can just kind of watching them from the side for a game or two because you know if it's a hitter evaluating the pitcher it'll be like yeah i can see this and that or oh this pitch is a really good pitch or vice versa like if it's a pitcher throwing a hitter it's like no i can always get them out with this pitch or this sequence and you're like okay so i i use all of that to kind of formulate the decision making process that i go through you know under normal under normal circumstances like we said you're you're out recruiting now and and you know obviously California is the priority but how much time do you guys spend recruiting out of state given what you offer academically uh, I'm sure it's pretty enticing to players out of state and, and and what's that process like I mean are you hopping on a plane flying out to Arizona flying to Vegas you know Texas wherever it might be to recruit guys uh, under normal circumstances yeah, I mean, for us, we, we have some out-of-state guys. I would say we are going to always try to, you know, first and foremost, recruit our backyard. I want Northern California kids who have grown up as Cal fans. And, and you know, if I, if I can't defend my backyard, I'm always going to be in trouble. So we kind of start from there and then work our way down the coast. Um, love the kids down in L.A. and in San Diego and that whole entire area just because I think that they're ready to play college baseball right away. They've been playing high-level high school baseball you know, for however many years it is. So they're ready to compete and play right away. Um, I'll also go out of state. And out of state kids are a little bit more difficult, um, but you just want to find, you know, in my mind, it's like I'm trying to find the best player in that state. If I can get the best player in the state of Arizona, in the state of Nevada, in the state of Washington, like absolutely we're going to take that. Absolutely we are. Um, but, you know, so I'll go out and see all of them. But for us, it's like the priority first and foremost is like we want to protect our backyard and we want to protect California because everybody else comes in the state of California and takes all these players away. It's like, how do I keep all these guys here? So, hey, I get it. There's a lot of great places to go around the nation. And, you know, I, I did it. I left. I went to University of Arkansas to high school and then I came back. So I, trust me, I get it just as well as well as anybody else does. But, you know, there's something about being able to play um, kind of in your hometown and having family and friends come and watch you play that's special. 
it is special. And it's it's also special when I see all our kids from Southern California and their parents come up every weekend and watch them play. There's it's just there's something different about being able to perform on these type of stages in front of families and friends. Well, yeah, I'm glad you touched on it, right? I mean, because for SoCal, you're looking at, what, an hour flight, hour, 15-minute flights up to, to SFO or, you know, over yeah, Oakland. Or Oakland, I mean, yeah, or Oakland. Right it's here. not, yeah, it's not like it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's not like it's a cross-country flight. So, yeah, I'm glad. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit, Noah, and let's talk about the cancellation of the season. And, um, you know, what has been for you guys and for you personally, but also as the team, uh, you know, what's been the most difficult challenge for you? I mean, obviously not being around the guys and seeing their development, but but what's been the most difficult challenge, do you think? It's just making sure that you stay in touch with these kids and keep them motivated and make sure that they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and and what their goal is and what the path looks like. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of frustration and you train from, you know, the time you get to school to play the season and when the season gets cut whatever it was 15 16 games into it, it it's a gut punch you know it, it really really is but just to make sure that everybody kind of stays on the straight and narrow and hey whatever you can do to work out i know everybody's setups are differently whether they have availability of weights whether they have availability of you know hitting in their backyard whatever it may be but it's just kind of be able to speak positively to them and and instill hope and then this is a great time that we've really kind of told guys like hey now that it's taken away from you what would you change in your routine or how you went about it you know go back and think about the days of practice and you're like i don't really feel like practicing what would you have done differently with those moments that can make you more successful going forward and for me as a coach it's been a great just learning experience just saying like okay this is how we prepared for this season how would i change this you know what would i do differently um the hardest part for me about college baseball is we practice so much and don't get a play enough so I continue to formulate ways where I can speed up practice and make it as game-like as possible because we don't get to play as many games as we want. And that's the hardest part about it. Like, we practice all the time. And we played, like I said, like 15, 16 games this year. So it's like, how do I match that speed in practice of what a game looks like to what a practice looks like and continually just trying to make myself a better coach? And then, you know, from there, it's doing a bunch of research on technology, um, whether it's hitting pitching and then how to disseminate that information to our guys because sometimes it can be too much sometimes it's just the right amount but it's like how do i make myself a better coach to get our players better am i willing to go and self-evaluate and say okay you know for these guys i need to you know be better in communicating to them like hey what's your plan what's your approach and for these guys do i need to start at the baseline i'm like this is what we're going to try to do as a hitting plan for you you know and that kind of also goes defensively whether it's um, you know, setting the outfielders in a certain way, but just be as clear and succinct as I can with giving these kids a plan and a path to follow. And yeah, it's been tough because you can tell them all you want and you're hoping that they understand, you know, hoping that it hits home. I'm just saying, hey, we can use this year as a learning experience and hopefully we hit the ground running. And for them, I hope it's in summer ball that they hit the ground running. And when we get back to campus that, you know, we're ready to go back and compete and get, get ourselves back in the regionals. Yeah, do you think the development you know, Jay Johnson the other day was on the podcast and he talked about development being one of his biggest concerns is, you know, how are these guys going to develop if they're not playing the game and they're not playing in these Pac-12 battles? And, you know, how do you think that'll be impacted? And and what sort of effect do you think that'll have on the college game as a whole? I think that the college game, 
moving forward after this has happened is is really going to drastically improve. Um, I think that the Major League Baseball draft has really, really hurt the college game just because so much of the talent has gone away, and I think you're going to see an influx of talent in the college game. Um, and as far as the development comes, I mean, there's a ton of things that guys can do right now just to get, kind of continue to develop. And it, the pressure's off of them because they don't have to perform. So now it's just kind of comes down to the point, like, who wants it? Like, who wants it? You know, like we, when I talk to our hitters on our team, we kind of go over different scenarios and different drills and different things to do, um, you know, different books to read and just kind of, you know, I, I always give them kind of their pro counterpart. So I try to make libraries of all our hitters from the time I've seen them in high school to their batting practices to the scrimmages we play at to the games that they played in and kind of try to build a profile for each of those hitters and give them an identity of who they are. So for me, this time has been great because we, I've been able to just you know, talk to each guy individually a little bit more and say, you know, who do you think you are? Where do you want to be? And how can we get you there? So during the season, it's like, hey, man, you're hitting 180. You're out. Like, sorry. Like, we got to get somebody else in here. And it's, it's not always fair. It's just like you got to perform at the end of the day. So it's like, hey, now we can slow you down. Uh, there are no numbers. Like, what do we need to do to get you to the best position possible for you? You know, and uh, and so that's that's been a great part of it for me. It's just you kind of got to slow down and and go about it a different way with some of the development with guys. It's not always about how much BP you're going to take or how many you know balls off the machine you're going to take. It's like now they have to honestly self evaluate, which I like. Yeah, no, no doubt. And and you talked about you know the guys coming back and NCA made what seems to be a unanimous unanimously the the right call and permitting guys the opportunity to come back next year uh, if they so choose you know do you think that will have an impact on the college game from just a sheer numbers rostering standpoint and and how long of an impact do you think that'll have yeah i think it's going to be difficult depending on how many guys come back and what this major league baseball draft actually looks like um, but for the whole of the game, I think it's great. I think it's great that you're going to have more talented players there for longer. Uh, for us at Cal, it's tough because we lose a lot of our juniors to the draft. And it's, it's difficult because, as I always say, like the genesis of the Pac-12 player is as a freshman, you're like kind of getting your feet wet, figuring out what's going on, seeing things for the first time. As a sophomore, you have a little bit more confidence. You understand how the league works. You've seen a little bit of everything a little bit more, and you're kind of ready to compete. And then once you're a junior, you're ready to take off and be in that leadership role and, you know, really be able to impact the game. And then you drop it and gone, and then you got to start all over again. So, you know, there's not a lot of seniors who play in the Pac-12. It's, like, amazing when you go through these lists. It's just like, hey, I mean, if you, guys, if you have a guy playing there for four years that hasn't been drafted, it's just a rarity. And so I think um, the Pac-12 in general is just going to be stronger because we're going to have just some older guys who have been around playing. Um, with roster sizes, there's going to be a little bit of a crunch. We don't have a huge class in 20. We only have four kids, so it's not going to affect us directly that much. Um, but I like it because it, it's going to keep some of the kids who probably were going to be, you know, guys who are going to be drafted in rounds eight through 20. It keeps them at school for us. And, you know, it's great because I just say, hey, listen, when you go out there and you're a 13, 14th, round pick for whatever organization and the next year they pick you know a first or second round shortstop and you were the 14th round shortstop like what do you think is going to happen so it's just it gets tough for those guys so it's like play the baseball that you have in front of you and the level of pac 12 and you know power five conference baseball it's it's higher than what rookie ball is and 
short season ball is. I mean, it's more comparable to, you know, low A on a day to day and high A on some Friday nights. So like you're getting high level baseball. So, you know, those kids, I just said, like, you got to be prepared to, to hit the ground running once you get to pro ball, because then it's just, it, like I said before, it's a business. So you better be ready to go right away. And so some kids are and some kids are. Do you think this will lead to any changes in the college game? Uh, you know, obviously scholarships, that seems to be locked, deadlocked at 11.7, right? And, uh, you know, the third paid assistant coach is seems to be completely off the table now. But do you think that this will lead to any sort of changes within the college game? Yeah, I mean, the changes that I see are more is just it might be more of a regionalized schedule. Like the travel might be a little bit less, and they might try to keep teams, you know, wherever they wherever they are a little bit more. Um, but I, I just think that the talent that you're going to see in the college game with kids coming to school yeah. is going to be greater and greater, even with how they're doing the draft now where it's like you get 10% of your money this year and then 45%, 45%. Um, you know, I just think the, the alternative of just going to college and being there for three years is going to be a little bit better than some of these professional contracts that they'll be handing out, and that's good. And, you know, I kind of always remind kids, I go, there's no other sport where guys go out of high school and play professional right away basketball's trying to push back toward it but, but the kids are are limited but if you're going to the nfl like you've been in college for three four years and you just you look like a different person you know all these guys are you know whether you're coaching or have played just think about the difference of what you look like at 17 18 compared to 2021 you know physically mentally maturity wise so it's a big big difference so i think uh like i said you're going to see a lot more impact in college baseball and a lot more excitement around college baseball with that said too yeah no doubt and you, last thing is you touched on on some of the tech pieces there in one of your answers and i'm curious where do you guys what value do you guys place on the tech what sort of tech are you guys using and and how has that helped you guys to coach more directly to specific players yeah i think that we just we have kids whose minds all think differently so we have rap soto we have track man um we kind of use a little bit of everything so what i'm trying to do is tailor it to them so they understand exactly what it looks like for their for their swing for their mechanics for you know how they're throwing the ball so i try to make it basic and easy um i don't try to overwhelm them with it but really the number one thing that we concentrate from an offensive standpoint with using the technology is just like hey how hard can we hit a baseball you know because just the data shows me the harder you hit it the better chance you have of getting a hit so you know we'll set up our track man during practice like on our scoreboard and the track man numbers will be there and i'm just like all right guys you know the goal today is to hit it everything 95 plus so like how can i make you compete in practice against the number that's going to be there and it's going to be staring you in the face and you're accountable to that number and then you're accountable to your teammates so like how do we continue to make adjustments to get the results that we want and so that feedback is like hey we can take 100 swings in the cage and i can tell you that's great that's great that's great and maybe that kid doesn't feel it and then all of a sudden, if on the technology side, if you can see it and then you can understand how you get those results and then be able to replicate it that way, I think it's important. I've noticed that kids these days are just way more visual learners. So between showing them the numbers on TrackMan or Rapsodo and then being able to video them and then tie both those functions in together, I think it's been really beneficial for our guys. But you also have to have the ability to you know, show them exactly what needs to be done and teach them about the technology and teach them what it needs to look like because you can go off the deep end real, real quick as well because there's <laughs> so much information, it can be overwhelming. And we have 
a lot of real smart kids who, you know, it's it can be a lot for them sometimes. Absolutely. And on the flip side of that is, how, how, do you guys use that, you know, for, say, you're playing a three-game weekend set against, you know, Stanford, right? And after the Friday night game, are you guys looking at that data and trying to use some of that to game plan for the for the Saturday game? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's not even so much game to game. For me, it's just like I'm trying to take five game glimpses um, for each of these kids and kind of be able to show them, like, here's where we were good. Here's where we were bad. And then, like, when I was saying before, we're building profiles of guys that's like, hey, remember, if you're you're a first-year kid, in high school, this is what our swing was when we were good. In fall ball, this is what it was when we were good. And now, here's where our breakdown is occurring. So now I can visually overlay those three images for you and then have the data to support it and then have the visuals to support it. And so a lot of times, you know, hey, as a high school hitter, I know everybody films themselves now, but sometimes you don't know if your hands are a little bit lower, a little bit higher, or your your strides a little bit, you know, off. Like you just need to be kind of the visuals of it, the corrections are there. Even when you're coming back in the dugout, I can kind of tell you as a coach, or you might not be able to feel it, but all of a sudden if I can show that to you, it makes it way easier for these kids to kind of understand stand and digest yeah that that's fantastic that's fantastic no before i let you go we do a little thing around here called the uh, coach's rapid fire i'm going to ask you about oh eight to ten questions first thing that pops to your mind just fire off an answer uh just have a little fun to close out the show so you ready absolutely all right here we go uh small ball or gorilla ball gorilla ball Love it. Finally. <laughs> I think we, I just want to say, I think we might've been last in the nation in bunts last year. And that was one of my prouder accomplishments, but okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, rap or hip hop? Hip hop. Costco or Sam's club? Neither. Whole foods. Ooh. Whole foods. Yeah. I should have remembered that. Uh, <laughs> college, college football or the NFL? <sighs> the NFL. I'm a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan. Oh, wow. Uh, Trackman or Rapsodo? Trackman. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Encinitas, North County, San Diego. Oh, Jack's going to love that one. Mac, <laughs> Mac, Mac or PC? Uh, Mac. Best singer on the Bears team? Ooh. Brandon McElwain. Uh, best dancer on the team? Darren Baker. Uh, favorite stadium you've ever been in? Uh, City Field in New York. Go-to song to sing in the shower? Whew. Let me see. I go, I can't make you love me, Prince remix of Bonnie Raitt. Wow. All right. So <laughs> my last one's normally Del Taco or Taco Bell, but I'm going to go with uh, tofu or rice cakes. Oh, tofu. I'm a vegetarian this year. There's no meat this year at all. Oh, man. I love it. Noah, man, I can't thank you enough, man, for making some time to come share your insights on everything Cal baseball, man. I really, really appreciate it. Les, thanks for having me and can't wait to see you guys out on the road sooner than later. Yeah, amen to that, dude. All right, we'll talk real soon, buddy. All right, thank you. I'd like to thank Noah Jackson for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.